welcome to episode 402 of This Is Whole Life, where together we dig deeper into each message each week and learn to love God in a deeper and more meaningful way together. Of course, that includes your input. If you were online in the chat last week, we have a bunch of questions and comments. Some of those came from the people that were worshiping in the main worship center. So they come from everywhere. 407-965-1607 is the voicemail or text and podcast at wholelife.church if you'd like to join the conversation. And I can't start off this episode by saying it's really good to be back. I was going to say, boy, doesn't it sound good to have Randy's You missed you, Randy. Oh, no. I, well, I told Ken last week, I'm like, man, I, I feel like my job's in jeopardy. Ken, uh, Ken did a great job. And what an entertaining Aww. episode. With, and I'm I'm really <laughs> I see you working over there. I see you working. But I really missed I mean, your favorite podcast episodes are like people that you don't always get to talk to. You get to meet somebody new, right? Oh, and, okay. I hear and, you. Yeah. And then it's also when you have someone who has yeah. a really, really cool accent. Yeah. This is true. And I was editing that episode when I got back into town. And I was just like, Oh my are you, are you kidding me? Because I would have asked questions just to hear him say certain words. <laughs> so, I, I mean, I've been guilty of that in the past. Like, that question, where was what was that about? But you said whatever, and it was like, oh, yeah, that sounded good, didn't it? Um, so for those of you who missed last week's episode, don't, because it was really, really good. And uh, hats off to Max, who made sure everything was moving in the right direction. Good job, Max. Yay, Max. And I just want to also clarify that it was Randy's fault that his mic was not working. I did not tell him to arm his mic. Only that he would use it as a talkback mic for you guys as a kind of a like producing, and so when he tried to push the button with our with our board, if you don't arm it to start, it ain't going. <laughs> and so gotcha. that's the way it goes. So that was on me, uh, was not on Max. He was doing exactly what he was told. And this past week, if you if you missed the message or if you missed the whole service, I'm just going to implore you. If you ever were thinking to yourself, like, you know, and we're going to get into this a little bit more because this week we ended up, we're talking about, you know, what happens when you lost that love and feeling. And I think so much of that goes back to our relationship, like Ken said, with, with prayer and, and with Jesus and, and, and just spending that time together. But my youngest got baptized this week and it was awesome. It was, it was amazing. amazing. It, was so cool. it was so awesome. Uh, you will see a clip of it tomorrow on our social media because a I have the power, and <laughs> and but really, the real reason is we'd already gotten text messages from yeah. church members and others who said we want to get our kids want to get baptized or I want to get baptized because we just saw the love of Jesus and Emily so blatant and so cool and just so open. Yep, and her heart for Jesus is just so so big and wide and out there for everyone to see. Mm -hmm. And so we're going to post that and then there'll be a link in the link tree if it's on Instagram or there'll be a place for you to go. If you've been thinking about getting baptized, we're going to make that easy for you to contact someone. Yeah. And uh, we'd love for you to become a part of our whole life family here. Yeah. And uh, she's already ready to get baptized next week as well because <laughs> it was that much fun and that cool for her. So we have to now explain why this doesn't happen every week and why you don't get to be the center of attention every week. So there is that. All right. One piece of housekeeping that we have, and this is Jesus Junkie. I hope you are listening to this week's episode because I did not 
in preparation for my weekend away last week. Um, I did not have time to get this to the team prior to last Saturday taping. So we have a text message, and this is speaking of episode 400. So think back to the conversations we were having. And the Jesus Junkie sent us a text message that said, Thank you for the podcast and conversation. Enlightening. As an introvert slash human lover, I use a crutch of sorts for engaging and connecting. And I thought this was really good because that was a lot of what we were asking is like, how do you do this if you're not good at it or if you're an introvert? So Jesus Junkies already said, hey, I am introvert and I am human. So that puts them on the same field as the rest of us. Perhaps it would seem useful when using open-ended questions about them, meaning the person you're trying to interact with, and their life. This allows them to share about themselves, which in turn is easier and healthier than trying to appear interesting. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) People's lives are interesting in and of themselves. Reconnaissance groundwork. If you lean introvert, this is a home-free move as you will not have to talk much and you will gain much insight. I like it. That's a good strategy. This strategy is so good. Insight as to how you can minister love and how to keep them just at ministry and perhaps not close friends until more info is gained. And in parentheses, if red flags arise. See, they're thinking of everything here. As you mentioned, people long to be seen. This is very important. Hagar indeed got a raw deal in approaching a stranger. If I'm focusing on how to appear pithy, intelligent, or knowledgeable, my anxiety rises. Often a brief encounter lends itself to only surface and in air quotes, seeing. And that is fine and useful for further developing a relationship and meeting spiritual needs such as, such as drug dealers do. When appropriate in the conversation, you can share similar experiences such as Randy does about his relationship with Heather, which is precious, thank you very much, and encourages folk in their family interactions. Humbleness is attractive, a leveling of sorts, not a black hole of impressive doctrine. This is how, as Christians, we can reveal our vulnerable and humble posture toward God and how he has moved in our lives and become our rock steady. Again, thank you for the podcast and thank you for reading this. There's wow. a, there was a lot to unpack there, that's honestly. A lot, that's a lot of good stuff. But I just, I like how <laughs> every, like, this is, this was a well thought, like, you know, this has been in practice because it's just like, look, I've got these points right here and I'm going to go through each one of them to try to help <laughs> you out. So if you were wondering, like, how do I do this? I think that's a pretty good idea of a, pl- a few places to start if you don't know or you don't have your own set of those just yet. Oh, man, we lost that love and feeling. We did? Well, I think so. I mean, ah, sorry. <laughs> that was my microphone stand. Um, no, I, I kind of felt like the the start of the message with the Righteous Brothers. Yeah. Why, I do. Man, I almost said Everly Brothers. That's not even, they're, they're I mean, same, same era, era. kind of, but same, not. but different. But different. Yeah, I don't know where that came from. Goodness. See what happens when you take a week off? You get I know, I, minds I, flutter. I think it was entirely appropriate for church, though, because they're called the Righteous Brothers. Well, that's right. Yeah, that yeah. wasn't lost on me to start with. I, I really felt like that was. They're not a Christian group. I, I well, I, I, I thought with I don't the know name Righteous per- Brothers. I don't must, know them personally, be. so. I mean, I heard "Love Your Neighbor" in there somewhere. So. Yeah, somewhere. <laughs> it seemed like it, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Well, after after we're listening to that song, and that was it was a it was it was a great icebreaker. So maybe you need to use that. That could be another one. Just keep that one on there. Have you lost that love and feeling? 
Because, you know, maybe that's, that would seem awkward. <laughs> it might be a little awkward. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're probably right. Scratch that one. Don't listen. See, go back to Jesus Junkie. They had lots of cool ideas. Be- way, way, way better than mine. But Ken said early on as Christians, we have to love everybody. And then he paused and he said, right? Like, quite, right? Like, do we all agree? And I don't know. Um, if we have to, is it really loving somebody if we have to? I mean, something that I have to do or I'm forced to do, I don't find myself doing it with love very often Hmm. or always with like, hey, this is so awesome. This is something I don't want to do, but I have to. Yay. So I I think it's I think it I think it depends on how you're you're defining love. Okay. because love can be a feeling of love. Love can be actions of love that don't necessarily have to be attached to a feeling. And I think love can also be a discipline that you practice. Mm. But can you do any of those with the, with like Jesus kind of love if you don't feel the love? Like if you're not, if you have to, I mean, I, I'm just asking because there, I just, I'm just saying. Asking for a friend. I, yeah. Asking for an unnamed friend. <laughs> Who shall rename? I believe they entered the chat as anonymous. Um, but no, I mean, I don't, I mean, I know what Ken was saying and I know we're, I'm trying to split hairs here, but sometimes I wonder if forcing myself to really do something loving or caring when I, it's just that difficult for what you know for whatever reason, and I'm not even saying it has to be a good reason because often the reason that I don't want to love isn't necessarily a good reason. It's a good reason to Randy, but it's not a good reason to Jesus. Why? Well, I don't so maybe do that the love doesn't have to originate in you. Maybe you can just okay. be a channel for love. So, right? so if you're not feeling it, then you just channel it. Okay, so like, just don't be. Don't be mean. Is that is that enough love? Oh, like, there, there's got to be a threshold. The definition of love. Don't be mean. That's don't, pretty close. Well, I mean, there, be nice. There has to. <laughs> don't be mean. Be nice, because sometimes I I feel like when it's not when you're not feeling it, you almost do more damage as someone that can look at you and go, man, that did not seem like. Did you tell your brother you were sorry? Yeah, I did. I'm sorry. And it's like, yeah, but you didn't mean it. I said it. That's what you said I had to do. I said it. I don't know. So maybe it would be helpful to put some <laughs> definitions out there, Andy. So when you say that you're required to, the Bible says that you're required to love everybody. Yeah. What does that look like to you? What does it mean to love everybody? To What does that mean for you? Well, I mean, I, I think I know the intention of it. So I, I feel like it is everyone. I mean... No, but, but what does it mean to love everybody? Well, I don't think it means that you're in a in a like necessarily like a loving relationship with everybody, but you need to treat people with respect and you need to treat people that maybe you disagree with or you genuinely don't like. Again, I, I don't know. Is it just is it enough? I find that usually when people have an issue with loving everybody, it's because they they're probably mixing up what the definition of love means. And Melanie kind of talked about that. A little earlier, but I think that we often mistake uh, love for something that's um, more chemically induced than than 
the maybe the Bible definition of love would would be. Okay. So, um, and I, I didn't love a few people on the way to work this morning on I four. Yeah. We, so we keep praying for you about that. Well, I, you should because <laughs> it's uh, you know. I don't know. I I think. Um, I think again. This is. I think this is one of the reasons why it's next to impossible to keep the law perfectly, is because the law does require us to love everybody, and not just a lip service kind of love, but an action oriented love that mm. means that you know those people you met on the highway, you didn't. You I didn't know, tell them they were number one. I promise. Didn't curse at them. You didn't. Nope. You know. You know, try to get you know cut them off to show them. What it feels like, you know. Um, in my defense, I was on a motorcycle, so that's not yeah. Right. That's always a bad idea to, yeah. to try yeah. to retaliate when you're on the <laughs> cycle there. But um, I, I, I sometimes think that we kind of overly complicate it. I think that God is looking when He's talking about us loving everybody. We go back to First Corinthians 13. We look at you know all the things that love is in First Corinthians 13, and that's that's a really high standard and pretty hard to do yeah. for all the people in my life. But I sure like it if all the people in my life would do that for me. Oh, yeah. And so that's why I think it's so important for us to acknowledge that it's hard. Maybe it's impossible without Christ. Mm. In fact, I'd argue it is. But because even my most, for me, the opposite of love is selfishness for me. And if that's the case, even my most loving self is often very selfish in my motivations. I'd like to think that I always do the right thing because it's the right thing, but the truth of the matter is sometimes I do the right thing because I don't want to get a speeding ticket, and sometimes I do the right thing because I know it's what others expect out of me. Um, sometimes I do the right thing because I want people to have a certain opinion of me. Is it is it love if like what you just said? Sometimes it's what people expect out of me. If that's if that's what I know, the Bible tells me that God expects out of me. If I do it, even though I might not be as happy in heart as I do it, is that still love? I don't think it's true love. Okay. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Great. Well, I was just feeling pretty good because. <laughs> I was thinking, I don't have to feel love for people who annoy my soul exceedingly. <laughs> I just have to treat them lovingly. And now you are challenging me to actually feel the feeling. I don't know if I'm challenging you to feel the feeling as much as, um, yeah, maybe I am challenging you to feel the feeling. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't think it's a, a necessarily something that we can always put our finger on and know with any degree of certainty. I mean, what is God's love? It's more infinite than we can know. And I, But I think at the very basic of it, we know that we all have work to do if we're going to love everyone. I don't think anyone probably has that one completely figured out. But I really liked, Ken, that the, your feelings are like the weather because there were so many cool parts if you actually sat and think about it. The, what you said, the weather is neither right nor wrong, but it can be destructive, mm -hmm. <laughs> right? If you go outside and it's and it's raining, you're going to get wet. You can say you're dry, but it doesn't change the fact that you're actually wet. And I just thought, you know, and the one that I like the best, if you stay outside in 120 degrees, you're going to get dehydrated, but pretending that you're not doesn't change the facts. And the, both of those, 
I I was looking around. I saw heads bouncing up and down like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And maybe that's the part that when you stop and think about which part am I giving myself a pass on because I'm like, well, I, I did that. Well, I, you know, I didn't get upset. I didn't get angry. Mm-hmm. I didn't really feel like, well, warm and fuzzy to this person, but I did stop to help. I did offer, you know, whatever this situation called for that I felt like God was calling me at least at the minimum to do. So <laughs> are those things, are those stepping blocks, I guess is what I want to know. Because if if we have to start somewhere and we haven't figured it out, something has to be better than just being like, well, man, I just totally ignored the Holy Spirit and said, I'm not doing that. I'm just, I'm going to ignore it. Like you didn't put that in front of me and I'm just going to go on my way, but I'm going to be really nice to my family tonight when I get home, because then I can show the yeah, the, the real love because it's easier to love them than the, what you just put in front of me. But it, I, just by the fact of doing it, regardless of how we feel necessarily, uh, are those building blocks or are those like, Hey, we should really not do it until we've got this figured out till we can do it where we feel like, yeah, yeah. The Holy spirit called me and I have a happy heart. You know, I think I'd encourage people to go ahead and do the right thing until the feelings catch up because <laughs> you know, that'll save a lot of murder, a lot of <laughs> other things that, you know, we, it's like, no, you feel like it, just go ahead and do it. No, I, I like how he went straight to murder. Like that's Well, I feel like straight. just being, you know. Straight and to the point. Just, you know, yeah. take it to the <laughs> one of the worst places you can go. Um, but no, I think, I think it's, I think there is a certain element of doing things when you don't feel it um, that's important. And I mean, certainly, I, like I said in the sermon, I feel like Jesus did some things he didn't feel like doing, mm, he made some yeah. choices that, that, that in the moment he didn't feel it. And I think, um, but what I do think is interesting, and I didn't say this in the sermon, is that you look at the sheep and the goats, the parable that Jesus talks about, and you know, the, the basically it's so fascinating that there's a long list of things that you did that. Jesus says, well, because you did this, this, and this, you know, you, you visited me while I was in prison, you fed me when I was hungry, you clothed me when I was naked, blah, blah, blah. You did all these things, enter now into, you know, the kingdom prepared for you. And all the sheep are like, yeah, when that happen? When do we see you and do that? When do we do that? Um, and then the goats have the same reaction. When, when didn't we yeah. do that? And so I think that that actions matter, but I think it's an interesting thing that some, that it's completely possible to do the exact same action, and one's acceptable and the other isn't. Hmm. Um, you take a look at Cain and Abel; they both offer sacrifices, right? Um, one action is accepted, the other one isn't, and the one that isn't accepted gets really angry about. It. It's like, you know what? I brought yeah. the best. I bought the best of what I do. Why are you getting mad at me, God? And uh, why aren't you accepting my, my what I'm doing as much? So I think that we have to, um, I think we kind of have to understand that there's a time to do the right thing because it's the right thing to do. But there's also a time to, to ask God to help us do the right thing for the right reason. Hmm. Well, I'm trying to remember where, oh, speaking of the Cain and Abel, that was... Um, when I was in Fort Myers last week before the SWAT team arrived, and the <laughs> you, you may need to pause. That's and, uh, <laughs> you know I have had elaborate. so many people I have had so many people on social media and text message ask me about this because 
some of the social media posts that went out from Justin in different places. They uh, weren't there specifically for Randy. Let's just no, put that right. out there. Well, I don't know. I mean, they still are <laughs> investigating. But anyway, uh, I was clearly visible in some of the social media posts, me and my family. And so people at first thought it was at Whole Life Church. And anyway, there was a possible active shooter at the church. SWAT came in during the middle of the message. We were all on, the, you know, put your hands up. Now everybody on the floor, don't move. We were evacuated. They stayed the day. They came back on Sunday. Yeah, they still don't know for sure what happened. Uh, anyway, all that to say, there was a, a video, and I believe it was on Giving, that played before the message. And their, their, um, what the point they came to was that because Abel gave his first. It was and first was the best, not necessarily, you know, not necessarily anything otherwise. And that Cain had already taken all that he needed and then gave, which was probably still really good, but it wasn't his first. So does that apply here where like if you're not giving your first or does that even apply to necessarily that one had me kind of balanced. And then when you said it, it brought it back. I think there may have been a little eisegetical creative license with creative. that story because <laughs> that is that's not that's what it felt scriptural. like but i was also just like well you know i've got you guys here so i have someone to bounce this off of because there were i wasn't the only one that was just kind of looking and i just felt like i've never heard this before and it just seemed it seemed odd to me but i also was like well you know maybe there's something to that I mean, as long as you identify it as conjecture, then yeah. why not? <laughs> as long as you identify it as conjecture. Yeah. As long as you admit, hey, I'm making this up, you know? I, I don't know. I mean, it sounds. Logical. I try to do that as often as possible. <laughs> the, the part of the message, I think that, well, there was two parts, and it was when Jesus went to the cross, man, the way you drew that conclusion between, like, I don't want to do this. Like you could, it's, it's okay to disagree with what God is also asking you to do. And not necessarily that he was disagreeing that he wasn't going to do it, but like, wow, I, there's gotta be a different way to do this. And, you know, right to the end, but then obviously, you know, that he did do it, but the part that man in the room, it just felt like a pin drop. And there was a couple amens. He said, it's okay for people not to not be okay at church. And I immediately I just thought of acceptance, love, forgiveness, the values that some we values here at Whole Life that we do that we have here at Whole Life. Where man, I mean, I hope that really made me feel, and maybe it was also because of the fact of the baptism had just gone through all this, and Randy was probably on a little bit of a spiritual high at the moment when this all came down. But that one really struck me, and and it really felt. And I had multiple talked to multiple people after just because Emily was, of course, baptized. But more than three people without any connection mentioned that to me, how they felt safer knowing that Pastor Ken thought that it's okay not to be okay at church. And like, hey, put that out there that this is okay that we're not yeah. okay at church. And then the follow-up that you shared your story about your brother. Right. And goodness gracious. I mean, I don't know about anyone else, but I'd already got, I thought I was done crying for the morning and you got a little choked up and man, that made me choke up. And, um, so many people, and that's the part that I feel like the things that we are, you know, that we're talking about here and, and just that 
all of us, so many people on the chat were like, Pastor Ken, thank you for showing that you're human and that you're on the same, you have the same struggles as the rest of us. And uh, my friend Gene was just like, he's like, what pastor gets up and tells that story? And I'm like, well, Ken did, of course. And he's like, I know. He's like, but that, he's like, you know, most of the times we, we, we feel like we're maybe just a little bit lower than the pastor because they're smarter than us. And I'm like, you should sit in the podcast every week with Ken and Melanie if you want to sit with people that you're pretty sure yes, are smarter than you. ladies and gentlemen, Ken is a mere mortal. You would not know it. I know. <laughs> But everybody who spends any time with me is pretty well aware of it. That's why I can't hide it. It's just, it is what it is. But I, I really felt like the way the message ended, and I'm excited to see where we continue to go with this because, you know, the we, we talk about our values and our mission and vision and values a lot here. And this week and this message, it really felt like this was another opportunity from from the front, from the program to you know, participation, you know, there's not every church that is going to welcome, be as welcoming as we try to be. And, you know, when having people from out of town and visitors and people who've never been here before, and again, and I, and I don't want to get back into tooting our own horn or anything like that, but this week for me felt, and again, you know, I, I know what kind of week I had, so, and, and the, some of the reasons for that, but I, I hope that those aren't lost that it, you know, it not it's not lip service. It really is okay to not be okay at church. Yeah, I really hope people walked away yeah. this weekend understanding that uh, the Bible is clear, in my opinion. We are supposed to love everybody. Um, yeah. The, the, from the person who's done horrendous things uh, to the people that are easy to love. And that's that's not easy. And the other thing that I think we need to be clear about is that when people can't summon that ability to to be loving we we understand it's yeah. your human being there it life is hard and to love somebody that um, has done something horrendous that's a big ask mm-hmm. that's a really big ask and if you haven't found the grace in your heart to get there yet or even if you find yourself in a place where you're just not feeling it you know I just I, I think about how many, um, marriages that that I hear from is I just you know I just don't feel like I did you know just, just marriage kind of lost its you know I don't know um, and I just want people to know look you're not abnormal that isn't something that's just happening to you, to you yeah. and that you're the only person that's ever gone through that and when when as a church we start pretending like you're the only person who's lost that love and feeling the rest of us well, what are you talking about i love everybody um come on come on and um and and it's it's one thing to aspire mm. it's one thing to aspire to be everything that God wants you to be. It's another thing to understand that it's a process and it takes time and it takes effort. And, you know, short of Jesus' second coming, we might never get to the point where we're as loving as we wish we would mm-hmm. or as that we'd like to think we are able mm-hmm. to be. And we're going to support each other through that experience. And we're not going to go ahead and give people a hard time just because... They're struggling with that. What I did not need when I was going through 
my experience that I talked about with my brother was I did not need somebody coming up to me and go, well, Ken, you're kind of a big hypocrite. And if you're honest with yourself, you know, you're, you're this, you're that, you've had your struggles, you've done this, you know, blah, blah, blah. I didn't need that person in my life. But what I did need was Tim Keller. I didn't need Tim Keller to come along and gently say, Hey, look at what the Bible says here. Look at what's going on there. And Tim was what I needed. I don't know that, that, that another oldest would have needed what Tim ha- had to say, but he was what I needed in that moment. And it wasn't it wasn't somebody pointing at me and going, you're bad, you're wrong. It was somebody who obviously I've never met and I'm not going to at this point, unfortunately. Um, but it was somebody that just, that I heard Jesus speaking to me through. And I just really hope that people who come to whole life hear Jesus speaking to them, not to condemn them, but to encourage them, be like, hey, mm-hmm. it's going to be okay. And for those of you who've lost that love and feeling in in your marriage or your or a relationship that matters a lot, again, just remember that analogy that 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 feelings are like the weather. They change. There's different seasons. One season isn't necessarily better than another. I would rather live in the spring and the summer myself personally. Mm, I don't don't like winter. That's why I live in Florida. (laughs) Exactly. Um, And yet, can I just be honest that winter does have its advantages. There are some really, really wonderful things about winter um, and fall. Each season has its own importance um, that's out there. And I think that we really need to understand that when it comes to our feelings, that sometimes our feelings go through different seasons. And and oftentimes the seasons will roll right back around eventually. You know, you'll mm. come back to summer. Yeah. You know, there's just, there's been more than a few times um, in important relationships in my life where I thought, man, I don't, I'm not feeling what, you know, I feel like I ought to be or what I used to feel. And it's been amazing to me that if you hang in there, it'll roll around. But sometimes it takes a while, um, decades sometimes. Yeah. But I just put it in God's hands. And again, that's 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 to me the place I'm at. For me, I, I put it into God's hands like, okay, I know I'm not a loving person. I know I don't love everybody around me the way you want me to. I'm open to that. And if you'd like to wave your God wand over me and change that immediately, I'll accept it. In sure. fact, I'd like it if you do. I'd <laughs> really love it if you would do that. <laughs> but if you don't do that, then I, I I must believe that you have the grace to cover what I'm not capable of. Mm. And um, and so, you know, again, you know, I just just hope that people who walk into whole life will be encouraged that we all struggle with having that losing that love and feeling. Everybody does. Hang in there. Yeah. Work the process. Um, if if it's something really painful, find a good Christian counselor to go see. I mean, do it. Um, yeah. It's really worth it. Again, it's it's like you know, I don't. You don't have to go see the doctor for every paper cut, you know, bruise or or scrape that you get. And the same thing's true emotionally. You don't have to go to see a psychologist or psychiatrist for every emotional bruise, bump, or scrape you get. But when you have a sharp pain that's not going away, you want to go see somebody, somebody who's an expert who understands, you know, I I was telling somebody, I, I have my knees hurting right now. Um, I'm, I'm having some issues with my knee. I'm... 
I, I pre and I was t- saying, I was telling somebody, I was like, oh, I'm going to go see my primary care doctor, and they're like, why? You just go straight to the orthopedic person. That that's all that your doctor is going to do. They're going to tell you to go. Yeah, they, you that's their problem. specialty. That's what yeah. they do. And and the person was like, and go get it looked at already. You're it's impacting other parts. You like for me, it's it's making it harder to exercise right now for me. Yeah. Um. And so you know, thanks to that person, gave me a good recommendation, a good doctor, and I'm on my way hopefully to see them fairly soon. But the point is, why don't we do that emotionally? when we recognize that something's not going away, you know, and, and I think that's one of the things to understand is that different counselors are built to do different things. Not every counselor is going to be a good marriage counselor. Not every counselor is going to be great at helping with addictions. Um, there are counselors that specialize in certain addictions. There are counselors that, spe- that specialize in family issues. There are counselors that specialize in all kinds of things and there are counselors that specialize in area but you don't have a connection with so you just keep finding it. you go and find one and it, and and that's one of the things like well I'm embarrassed to tell them well no don't be there you're the one paying the bill yeah if you know if totally if you don't like shop. if mm-hmm. you don't like the grocery store you're shopping at go find a new one go, it's, yeah, I mean absolutely that's their business that's you don't you know, it's not your business to change the grocery store to be what you like. Go find the grocery store you like. And the same thing is true with counselors. It's I'll tell people this with premarital counseling. One of the things that I I tell people is I always have an initial meeting with a couple that's thinking about doing premarital counseling. And I tell them, go home. You're not allowed to make a decision here with me. I'm meeting with you once. You go home and talk with each other and decide whether you want to do premarital counseling with me because you need to trust the person. You need to both trust the person. You both need to feel like it's a good fit for you. And if I'm not a good fit for you, will it hurt my feelings a little because I like you? Probably it'll hurt my feelings a little bit, but that's okay. Yeah, This is your marriage. (laughs) This isn't about me. This is about you. Uh, And I'd like to say it doesn't hurt my feelings that much. I mean, you, you need to find the person that's right for you. And so- for all those of you who are listening that are like, I don't know, I've tried counseling and it just doesn't work. Maybe a different it, it Maybe find a different person. Yeah. Yeah. Keep trying. It's really worth it. And, and you want to find somebody that's specialized in it. And it's not your best friend who just likes to give you advice all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. In fact, yeah. actually, that's... I, I think maybe some part of the misconception is that you go to a counselor and then they tell you what to do with your life. But really, in my experience, some of the best counselors have been the ones that have asked the right questions. Yeah. And then I did the work. I think, and Melly, that's that's huge because I can tell you the counselors that I've gone to, that's you're 100% on point with that. And what's more, I have noticed sometimes when I, the counselors that have been most effective in my life, it seems like things go worse for a little while before they get better. Mm. Because there's, you know, going back to the medical analogy, because it's a little bit easier, you know, I had Achilles uh, surgery, I don't know, 10 years ago or so. And um, I went through six months of rehab afterwards, six months of, of having to rehabilitate it before it got better than it was before I had the surgery. You know, there was more pain after the surgery than before I had the surgery. Uh, outside when I tore the Achilles, <laughs> that that hurt pretty good for a minute. Um, but this kind of sounds like buyer's remorse. But, like six months. 
Oh, well, Man. I had to be off of, I couldn't put any weight on my foot for six weeks. And then there was another six weeks in a boot. And did you do the scooter? I did the scooter. The scooter I did. I have. Boot. I have oh, actually yeah. a video of me running somebody over on the scooter. Yeah, that was anyway. <laughs> but my point. Let's not get, uh, get too sidetracked here. No, no. But my point is, like, it hurt to get it fixed. Actually, hurt. It it wasn't easy, and the same thing is true with psychology, and maybe even more so. That when you have deep psychological hurts that have occurred that have really left you hurt and wounded, trying to to rehab from that, trying to heal that requires pain. And I don't like, I think we have to be honest about that. We kind of, I know I want to go to the doctor and not feel any pain or anything. You just wave the wand and make it better. Make that's it better, what I yeah. want. But that's not the way that medicine generally works. There's usually not a surgical intervention that doesn't cost you something or doesn't feel painful in some way. And so the same thing is true when it comes to your emotional health is that getting better, um, it can be pretty painful to go through and it can take time. It doesn't just, it doesn't go, well, I've been to three counseling sessions and now I'm okay again. Um, it, it can take, you know, months and years uh, of, of difficult work, but yeah. it's really worth it. And, you know, in my experience, it really makes a difference. It really does help in the long term. And I can just, you know, I just, I think there's, I grew up in a time and a place where there was a real stigma over going to get, um, going to psychologists, going to a counselor. There's a real stigma. It's like, well, that's for weak people. And that's why I think just I pray more. Yeah. Just pray more. Mm, just, I like you know, that one. It's like, you know, <laughs> yeah. have faith. Yeah. Mm -hmm. you just, you just pray over that cancer. It'll go away. Um, eventually. And, you know, and, can it? Of course. Can God perform miracles? Of course. Has God done miracles that I've seen? Absolutely. But I also, again, just go back to that story. You know, sometimes the miracle is sitting there waiting, waiting for, for you, you <laughs> um, and you're not taking advantage of the miracle that God's put there for you. Yeah. Anyway, I, I so for me, a big passion is trying to destigmatize that it's firstly, there's nothing unmanly about going to do it because for some reason, guys that I've talked to think that, you know, big boys don't cry and big boys don't go see counselors because big boys can tough it out and figure it out. And I just, I think that's utter rubbish. Um, and that's why we have um, some of the big boy problems that we have um, because we're not willing to get the help that we ought, ought to. And we're not willing to cry when we probably ought to. And then there's, again, the stigma in across the humanity in general that I've encountered. Well, you know, you don't really need to do that or that's just really expensive. That's just going to cost your family a lot of money. Well, think about the cost that, you know, think about the cost that poor mental health actually has across society. <laughs> totally. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. I'll get off my soapbox. <laughs> no, duly, duly, uh, rightly so that the, to get on the soapbox. Uh, we had, oh my goodness, we had a ton of questions. Now a lot of them cover the same thing, so I'm gonna try to give, um, trying to give both maybe a couple at a time, because uh, they are kind of a lot of it was thematically the same. So Deanna started with maybe we love in a way that would feel to us like love, but we forget it isn't about us and how we would feel. It is about the other person or the group. And she followed that by, from my Stephen ministry training, feelings need to be recognized, accepted, and expressed so they can be worked through. And I think that just plays back into what you just said. 
if that's not something that you're able to do with yourself and that person or, or how, whatever that situation looks like, finding someone that can maybe make sure that everyone is feeling recognized, accepted, and so they can express those things is probably how they're going to be worked through. So Susan asked, how does one fix sadness? Hmm. Because if you're not feeling that love and feeling, so it could be a, sadness. So what a, what a good question. And you said that was from Susan? It's from Susan, yep. So Susan, if you're if you're going through sadness, I'm really sorry. Um, I know that's hard. It's, uh, you know, for me, that would be the weather being, being overcast and raining a lot. And that's where my mind goes metaphorically when I think about it. It's like rain is a good thing, but then eventually you're like, oh, it's been overcast a long time. And sadness actually is a good thing. We don't really recognize it, but it is. Sadness, it gives us a chance to process what's going on something that that hurts that's painful and so sadness isn't bad but when it when it sticks around and doesn't go away it can really become overwhelming and hard to deal with and so so the question was how can i get rid of sadness right yeah how does one fix it um, yeah. how do you fix it and and susan i i don't know if i have a good answer for you on that because i think that the reasons for sadness can can um, be part of the answer to what you're asking without knowing mm. if, if this is something that's personally happening with you. Um, it's hard for me to say, well, this is this is a one-size-fits-all that makes sadness go away because I don't think there is a one-size-fits-all that makes sadness go away. And the other part of it is that I think that sometimes we are so eager to move on from sadness that we never sit in it long enough to to get <laughs> the gift yeah. that's in that can be in sadness. Now, again, I don't know your story, so there might I don't know what's going on there. Um, but what I would say is, if you're if you're if you're finding yourself with sadness that's persistent and not going away. Again, I'd encourage you to go find a professional to talk to about that and and who can hear the details of your story, ask the questions that will help you kind of get to the answer of where you're at and and hopefully help you with that. And, you know, you might, I mean, you could start off with the, the I joked in church that pastors are more like paramedics and sometimes we think we're brain surgeons or not. Um, you might start off with a, a pastor that that you know. Um, here at Whole Life, we have um, a wonderful group of people called Stephen Ministers that would probably be um, fantastic place to start off with. That they're trained in how to work with people who are going through grief and experiencing uh, experiencing grief. So, if you live here in the in the area, that might be a good option for you is to contact uh, one of our our team here, and we can get you connected with Stephen Ministers. You can go to our website. There's information on our website about Stephen Ministers at wholelife.church. Um, they can give you some information about that. Um, if you're if you're experiencing overwhelming sadness, that's that's pushing you to um, think of, uh, be in terms of of 
thing of hurting yourself or not taking care of yourself, I really encourage you to immediately go to the emergency room uh, near you, have somebody take your, you there immediately and, and let the doctors in the emergency room help you. And they, they, they have some amazing things. And I'm not saying, Susan, that this is you, but I do know there are people who are listening. And I just want to say, like I said, I think it's something to take seriously. If you're having overwhelming sadness where you have thoughts of hurting yourself or hurting those around you, you really do need to get yourself to a place very quickly where you can where you can receive help. You're not you're not permanently broken. You're not you are just in a place where you need support around you. Um, so again, I don't know that I have an answer about how to get rid of sadness. I don't think it's as easy as playing a simple, a happy song. Um, it can be in some cases. Sometimes if it's not a particularly deep sadness, that can be it. Um, sometimes just getting plenty of sleep can can help change your mood because a lot of times we're hearing in American uh, society today that a lot of people aren't getting enough sleep. Um, and if you're not getting enough sleep, that can have a major impact on your moods that you may not be aware of. Uh, eating right, exercising, those are all things that can also impact our moods in, in different ways, getting outside. So like I said, those are all little things, but without knowing your situation, I don't think there's a one size fits all. This is what beats sadness. Yeah. Um, I think I'd be remiss as a pastor not mentioning spending time with Jesus as being something that that you can do as well that I can think is helpful. But I've seen people that that thought, well, I'm just going to read my Bible and pray, and that's what I'm going to do, and that's going to beat sadness. And I've seen them be sad for a really long, long time. time. Yeah. Um, when if they would have gone and got some counseling. It's yes, do that and and yeah, and do this other, yeah. Well, I think that's that can covers as much as you probably can, like you said, without yeah. knowing the exact. And I, I want to recognize that Randy and Mama Doc and a couple others basically all working around this idea that you know, sometimes we think we're loving a person, but what they experience isn't love. And I, I know we've covered that and to be reminded that people interpret situations in different ways, so knowing sometimes how someone is going to interact with us when we think we're, we're being that if we get told no, <laughs> that it doesn't feel loving to me, uh, we probably have to ask a question and maybe look at ourselves a little bit. And But boundaries are loving and they don't feel loving to the person that it's being done to. Right. Um, and, and so, so add into, add into that, yeah. hold that thought. How do we love someone whose presence in our life is unhealthy? What if it's in a, uh, an estranged relationship that won't pull you closer to God, but may actually bring you down? How do we deal with that in, 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 that, in that same? Because that's like three questions yeah. all in the same, kind of that same vein to, with boundaries. Loving somebody, like I said in the sermon, loving somebody doesn't mean that you're in a deep relationship with them. It does not, that doesn't, um, you know, that's a lot of times when I've had to work with folks who are going through extreme abuse, the abuser is like, well, if you love me, you'll basically allow me to keep abusing you is what the, the abusive person will say. And when re reality, the most loving thing you could do for an abusive person is to, to get out of that, to get away from that, to move yourself out of that situation and so there are absolutely times where the loving thing to do is to pull back. And there's also times where, again, loving people doesn't mean that you have to be best friends or even 
good friends with every single person. There, We all have the people that we connect, really, really connect with. And there's a difference between really, really connecting with people and the basic human connection that every person deserves from us, which is an acknowledgement that you are a human being. God created you, so you, ha- you absolutely have worth, but that doesn't mean that everybody has to be your best friend. You, I mean, for people who are in the public eye, there's a lot of, I, I remember, um, what was the scene out of Notting Hill where uh, the, there, the uh, Julia Roberts character is a, a famous movie star, and uh, she's dating Hugh Grant, and Hugh Grant's sister says, "I just always knew that if I ever met you, you would be the best of friends." You know, and and and, <laughs> and this is this is her first time meeting Julia Roberts, and Ju- you can see on you know Julia being uh, the great actor is like, yeah, <laughs> I hear that all the time because people. In the public, I don't. You can't. You don't have enough space to be best friends with everybody, or to even be good friends with everybody. everybody yeah. And so, just going back to that is, I don't think God expects us to be best friends or good friends, but I do think He expects us to acknowledge the worth in every person mm-hmm. and to be kind and to to show First Corinthians thirteen attributes towards those we come in contact with. Excellent. I think you're right, though, that abuse situation, um, there are different rules for that. Yeah. And I think that um, particularly abusers have a, a, a way uh, of manipulation yep. where, you know, you have to forgive me. You yeah. have to reconcile with me. You have to. And um, and no, you don't owe your abuser anything. You don't have to put yourself back in that situation. You can definitely draw that line. You can definitely put that distance. That's not that, you know, we, we talk about Jesus as, you know, the, the suffering servant. And we ask people to, you know, turn the other cheek and do these kinds of things. Though that's a di- when, when the power dynamic is that is that way, then you then you can turn the other cheek. But when the power dynamic is such that someone is abusing you or has some kind of manipulative control over you, then that's not a fair picture. When nobody's asking nobody's asking you to stick around and and Maybe. be abused. Maybe. Well, I think yeah, that, yeah. I mean let's go ahead and use Jesus as that example. When Jesus is uh, goes on trial, we know that we know about Pilate. But one of the things we often don't talk about in the the story of Christ. Um, crucifixion is that he's taken to Herod's court as well. And when he's taken to Herod's court, he doesn't say a word to Herod. He completely, he doesn't try to reason with Herod. He doesn't have, he doesn't, and and Herod's trying to get him to talk to him and, and Jesus won't even say a word to Herod. And remember who Herod was. Herod had, had beheaded John the, the Baptist, Baptist yeah. Jesus' cousin, Jesus had he had nothing to say. I'm not. He wasn't mean, but he had nothing to say to Herod. And there are people in our life that you don't have to say anything to. It's not unloving to not say anything. To just say, you know what? There's not going to be a relationship here because I know you're not interested in the relationship. You're not. Or you're, even yeah. if you are, if, yeah. if the damage has been right. done. Um, then, exactly what yeah. you're saying. Yeah. Well, 
Uh, loved loved by him. I hope that answers your questions again about having that same kind of feeling of someone that you, you know, years ago you may have been forgiven, but just struggling to completely trust again. That's all part of that situation that until it feels right and you feel safe, I think it's like we just said, it's okay to not have to, to leave that person at a, at a distance. And then we have uh, Aaron and Rod and someone uh, someone said, perhaps being angry isn't a sin, but hurting others through that anger is. Rod said, I used to believe it was okay to be angry as long as I don't sin. I now believe that anger based on selfishness is sin, but anger over the mistreatment of someone else is appropriate based on my understanding of Christ. And I, I also like, he he continued, one author observed that Christ never contended for his own rights. He allowed himself to be abused and even prayed for his abusers. However, look at how he became angry when other people were abused and how he came to their defense. In my opinion, that's the epitome of love. And I don't want that to be construed that you need to somehow take everybody else's abuse like we just talked about. If that is that Jesus, <laughs> yes, I think that is accurate of what, of what, uh, what Jesus did, but also I think that's a different context than. Well, what again, we're, we're about. talking about a power dynamic where, you know, if Jesus had wanted to, sure. what is that song? He could have called ten thousand angels. angels. You yeah. know, there's, yeah, that that also is a is a different power dynamic as well. So I appreciate the author that's being quoted. Um, I believe it's Alan White who wrote. What, what Rod was, was referencing, that Christ never contended for his rights. And while I would generally agree with that statement, I would also disagree with it a little bit. And Christ was pretty good at, at sticking up for what he needed to do for himself to be missional with what he needed to do. And I think that sometimes as Christians, we, we underestimate or... Is, is what I see happening a lot of times with people who work in full-time paid ministry is that they justify abusing their bodies, they justify working nonsensical hours because they're not contending for their rights. They're, well, I'm going to go ahead and be like Christ and be self-giving and whatever else. You know, I wonder how much Christ's ministry would have looked different if he had been in ministry for 40 years versus three and a half I think that when you know that you've got three and a half years that you're going to be putting in, you do things a little different than when you're going to be doing something for 40 years. Um, And you have to go ahead and think of yourself in terms of what's right, not just for you, but for what you're about to, what you're trying to accomplish long term. And so I agree that Christ didn't contend for his rights, but I also feel a little skittish when I hear that because I, I feel like sometimes people use that as the rationale for why they have to be a doormat or other people can use them as a doormat when that's not really what's best for for not only you, but the world around you and your ability to do things. Mm. I, I think there is this time to stick up for what's just and right in your own life and to say this this is what is best for me and this is what's best for my family. I think we need to be selfless and to think of others, but it's hard to think of others when you're not maintaining your own personal life and when you're not taking care of yourself because when I'm worn out and tired, I get really grouchy and I I wind up doing things I wish I hadn't. And when I'm not exercising, 
it it slows down it it's it cuts down the amount of time I'm going to have to do ministry because it'll shorten my life. So I think like I said I agree with that quote that from Ellen but I also sometimes worry when I hear it that that it gives it's one of those things that sometimes people really use to be like, well, I can't I can't really stick up for myself because Christ was selfless and so I need to be selfless too. So Aaron had the question, should we never stand up for ourselves because it is selfish, or is it not selfish to stand up? I'm confused because I have the emotion of anger if someone treats me unjustly, but is that because of sin twisting it to be selfish and thinking about myself and how I'm treated, or is that an emotion that God created to alert me to take action, to right or wrong, even if it's done towards me? That's a t- I mean, I think that we are set up to recognize and be angry at injustice, whether it's happening to someone else or happening to us. It doesn't. I mean, for me personally, you know, trying to make the distinction between, well, it's OK, you know, for me to be angry at injustice if it's for someone else. But I can't be angry at injustice if it's being it's unjust. be angry at injustice. Injustice is wrong. Right. Whether and it's happening to you or someone else. Now, how you choose to engage choose that and to, what, yeah. what, do you, what you choose to do, you know, those, the, that's where the nuance comes in. Yeah, I like that. Man, there was so many good questions, comments, everything. And then personally, I just want to say a big thank you. Many of you who wrote in and asked questions and left comments were in the chat while Emily was getting baptized and you guys said prayers. You had all praises and it was just really cool as dad sitting on the front row watching her get baptized but also watching our online family like support her in a crazy crazy way and I just I'm, it's so appreciative I'm so appreciative of that and uh, I love the heart that you have as an online family who you know most weeks I think most of you are not here in house with us or have maybe been here before uh, but the the love that you showed my family and I was showing her the comments and people People praying for her, and it really did boost uh, her confidence before she uh, went under the water. And uh, this dad is really, really grateful for all you, all of your comments and prayers. So next week, uh, connecting across socioeconomic. Uh, <laughs> You're not looking forward to that one. I don't huh? know. Okay. That's just one that you know. When you start talking about money, money. oh man, I was I spent 12 <laughs> years as in as a financial advisor and in a an advising of you know retirement savings things like this, and I always just know that if you want to get someone to mistrust, to lose trust in you, or the heart one of the hardest things to gain trust in is financial matters. Like, I don't want you to know about it. And if I did, do I trust you and how long it takes to build that trust, how easily it can be lost? And even though that might not be, you know, just all of us at church, maybe that's not the relationship we have with each other. But, man, as soon as you start talking about money, that's like so close to or worse than politics. Yeah. Because people will give people a pass on politics sometimes. But, boy, when it comes to money. I'm glad you're preaching this. (laughs) I know. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm just like, wow, what a trap to step. He set the trap for himself. Kaboom. I guess tune in. Tune in next week. Does Ken come back? Well, Ken even please? be here for it. We'll see. 
Yeah. I saw that on the when we started working on the we saw the graphics come up and I was working with Max and I'm just like and he's like, Wow, socioeconomic. He's like, he's going all out. I'm like, he's all in. That's it. He's all in. Always he's all in all the time. So I am curious to see what uh, what next week's message in episode four oh three has in the uh, in the chat <laughs> for next week. Any any uh any spoilers, any hints, or are we just going to, you know, drop the whole works on next week? Yeah, I I don't think I'm not as worried about it as you guys are, I guess, because <laughs> I'm not asking anybody to take their checkbook out. So if that makes anybody come to church that, where you weren't going to come before. I don't know. I don't know. I, didn't, I, I like your optimism. Um, so I, and I hope it all goes but swimmingly you know for Bring you. Bring your checkbooks just in case. Just in case. We do accept, you know, credit card and, in and case all the Ken's rest of it. standing sitting by the side of the road asking for some assistance. He might need a Chipotle run after church is all I'm saying. Just, I mean, right, the man might right. need a burrito. So I guess we'll find out. No, I I trust I trust the whole life family to uh, at least you know take it all away. <laughs> at least give you a shot. <laughs> give you a shot before they you know it just man I just in my personal like and in my professional that area of my professional life I'm just like man if I never ever deal with anyone else's money except selling them a Harley Davidson someday in the future. Yeah, I I just don't want to talk to anybody about money at all. But we're talking about connecting with people. Mm, I know, but you got not- it. I don't, or at least that's my perception. So then you're probably greeting a bad person, or you just don't work hard enough to join the ranks of where I'm, I'm at. I mean, I'm just saying that's all right. Wow. There's the tension. I'm just saying there's there's always tension there. It wow, just, Randy, you have some strong feelings about this. <laughs> huh? I, personally, like I I love I love everyone's success. Is that why you leave your Lamborghini at home? I do. <laughs> I leave it parked. <laughs> you know, my my 1994 Ford Lamborghini. Yes. Well, yes. it's a transformer, really, Melanie. It's like it, it, <laughs> he just he yeah. leaves it in the truck form so that people won't Don't steal know. it. Yeah. But uh, yeah. secretly, when he gets out on the highway, he just hits the little button. That's why your Bluetooth is acting up. That's what. <laughs> the Harley's as close to a Lamborghini as I'm ever going to have, but that's okay. Uh, well, you know, guys, tune in next week because I, I just have a good feeling that it's going to be a really, really fun time next yeah. week. That's all. All right. All right. All right. All right. That's going to do it for this week. Thank you all. Again, a great week. Thank you all again for your support and have a fantastic week. 